In this episode of Fictional Hangover, we talk about potted plants, <laughs> missing eyebrows, our truths, being perfect for our imperfections, callbacks, and fan service in our discussion of Ambush or Adore by Gail Carriger. everybody, welcome to Fictional Hangover, a podcast about young adult and new adult books, series, authors, and voice actors that is full of spoilers. I'm Amanda. And I'm Claire, and today we're going to discuss Ambush or a Door by Gail Carragher. Squee! Standard disclaimer, if you haven't read this book, please remember that Fictional Hangover is all about spoilers. If you haven't read or listened and don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to us and go read or listen to the book, then come back. If you haven't done this but want to pretend that you have, or if you don't care about spoilers, or if you just like the show so much that you don't care about any of that, then listen up. Yay! I'm really surprised that we didn't ask her to join us, but we kind of picked this one a little bit last minute, so it wouldn't have been super appropriate to try to drag her on. No, it wasn't as heavily scheduled. We kind of like put short novella, something easy in the schedule, and then decided on it later on. Yeah, then we were like, holy crap, how did we forget about this one? Why? Like, it's so good. We love Gail Carriger. How... Do you know why? I think it's because the audiobook has literally just been released like this week or something. Mm. And we do tend to wait for the audiobooks of things to come out. That is so true. So I can understand that why we've true. delayed it. Yeah. And yeah. it's usually our audio catalogue that drives some scheduling. It really, really does. Yeah. And in all fairness to us, Amanda, December is a really difficult month to actually, you know, work and have a life and do the podcast. It There's is. a lot tough. of scheduling that needs to go in beforehand so it's gonna be a really good month it's an exciting month we've got some really good stuff yeah we have a live we have a live so that'll be exciting everyone look forward to that that'll be our christmas episode so it will also release you know on whatever wednesday that is yeah it's all very exciting, but it is a, a difficult schedule month, and I think we're also very conscious of guests being busy this month as well. Yes, but we are lucky in that we have an extra special bonus episode, like <gasps> that we've stored away. The double bonus. Yeah, the double yeah. bonus, which has only happened once before with Caitlin Davies. Yeah, and that was a good time. Exactly. Yeah. So, let's get into this one. Anyway, Background info, do. what do you got? Yes. So, I pulled this info from Miss Gale's website. Uh-huh. And she says that Ambush or Adore was a lot of work to write and research. Gentle reader. I love how she calls us gentle readers. Oh, thank you. But most <laughs> of that research was back through my own books. All four of the Finishing School series, bits of the Parasol Protectorate, and the last book in the Custard Protocol in particular. Partly, this is because this tells a narrative covering over 40 years of time. But also because I really address concepts of long-term love, long-distance affection, childhood infatuation, as well as questioning the notion that romance is the provenance of the pretty and the young. Oh, I love that last bit. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's always gorgeous in these things. 
Yeah. That's why it's refreshing to break that stereotype. Yeah. But I just really love everything that Gail Carriger ever touches, so... Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Hard agree. Yeah, she's really great. Should we get into it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you have initial thoughts? Um, squee! <laughs> Mine too! <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> yes. All right. Our summary begins in the spring of 1896 on the landing green at Hyde Park. Pilliver Plumley Tainmont met the love of his life at age 12. Agatha is an intelligencer and intentionally misplacing herself, which is no good for one's heart, wardrobe, or peace of mind. It has been over a year since Pilliver last saw Agatha, and frankly, it's too much. On the off chance Agatha might be aboard, Pilliver has gone to meet a dirigible in the middle of a rainstorm. As the rain soaks into his clothes, Pilliver, suspecting he looks like a man waiting for the love of his life to return, wonders if it is worse to be the one who waited or the one who went away. Spring, 1896, spotted Christian Dirigible. Miss Agatha Wismore suspected her friend Sophronia had delegated her rescue to the ridiculous crew of the Spotted Custard. The entire dirigible was crawling with legacy intelligences, blundering and untrained a lot of them, creating a mess wherever they float. Regardless, Agatha was happy to be returning home. She has come to two conclusions during the last misadventure. Firstly, she was resigning her commission, and secondly, she needed to take a different risk than spying. Ooh, what's that Ooh. risk, Agatha? Ooh. Oh. Oh. Nine, 19. Not, not 19. It's not oh, 19. Oh, that's a big jump. That, that was a big, really, big jump. really big time jump. Oops. 1848. London. Agatha was 10 when she met her first vampire. Lord Akeldama found her hiding in the shadows, watching everything going on around her. His curiosity was piqued at such an intriguing and observant child, thinking that, with training, she could be a valuable asset. Lord Akeldama offers her patronage. She needs only to attend a particularly interesting educational establishment for young ladies of quality <laughs> and report everything she learns. So at age 10, Agatha bargains with a monster and never regrets it. Wonderful. Lord Akeldama is not a monster! Over. Never has it. He's glorious. He, well, he is. He is of a sort. Pillover never has such a memorable moment with a vampire. His parents being evil geniuses who dealt with the supernatural set all the time. They, wanting him to follow in their footsteps, shipped him off to Bunsen and the Crows Boys Polytechnic at age 11. However, Pillover was bad at being bad and never fit in. Oh, Pillover. <laughs> 1851, Mademoiselle Geraldine's Finishing Academy for Young Ladies of Quality. You have to say it that way. I, Morwick you cannot Quirk, say it. No, Quirk has ruined me for everything in this series. Everything is in her voice in my head, regardless of who's narrating. I completely agree. And I'm sorry, you cannot say Mademoiselle Geraldine's Finishing Academy for Young Ladies of Quality, other than saying... Quality. You have to say quality. Exactly. And it has to be Geraldine's. 
He's, it's very fancy. All of it. All of it. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Agatha not only survived her schooling, but thrived, unlike poor Pillover. Oh, no. She made friends with, in this audiobook pronounced correctly, Shiak Makan, Sophronia Temenik, and Demity Plumley Tainmont, Pillover's older sister. You know, it's really hard for me to say Shiak, even though it's correct, because I because want of, to again, say, I'm looking at it and I want to say it's it okay. today. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Shiak, Siday. Yeah. It's not a common name. It's not, and it's wonderful either way you say it, but it's Sid Hay in my head. And they also <laughs> call her Sid, so I really just feel like it should always be Sid Hay. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It was through one of Sophronia's madcap schemes that Agatha and Pillover eventually met, previously only getting tidbits from the well-meaning if... A little unreliable, Dimity. In Dimity's letters to Pillover, she described Agatha as lacking sparkle and observed Uh that they must look after her if she is to last at school. When he first met Agatha, he saw a frightened young lady. It would take him years to realize that was a front. <laughs> Pillover enjoyed Agatha's quietness and watched her try to fade into the background, which only made him want to watch her more. When Pillover returned to Bunsen's, it was with memories of Agatha, not his kidnapping by vampires, no. and with a new friend, young Viev LeFou, attending the boys' school in a fake mustache. <laughs> Oh, Oh, there's so many good memories in this book. It's just, I smiled all the way through this book, and yeah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. February 1853, Mademoiselle Jardines finishing school for young ladies of quality. Finishing academy! It's not a finishing school, it's a finishing academy. because they keep referring you to a finishing school. I put that in my head automatically. Anywho, February 1853, Mademoiselle Geraldine's finishing academy for young ladies of quality. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to get worse every time we have this. It really is. It really is. We need this dirigible to crash. Agatha values the bonds of friendship, but also the bonds of her Patreon. When Shiak receives a pigeon indicating a crisis at home, later that night she politely asks about it out of respect for their friendship. What Shiak doesn't know is that Agatha had already gone through her missive. Later, Agatha will write to Lord Akeldama to inform him if the Kinair pack was treasonous. Now, Agatha must live with the sick feeling of betrayal. Oh, poor Agatha. Yeah. At the same time... Pillover was having a growth spurt. He's gawky <laughs> and awkward as well as gloomy, which drove the girls mad and Woo! made his time at the ball at Sophronia's house terrible. Agatha wasn't there, which was bad enough. He had been looking forward to renewing their acquaintance, and the other non dirigible girls were twittering and fluttering around him. Ugh. That was the same night. He became inconveniently engaged to Sophronia. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, those matchmaking mothers can read far too much into a situation. Oh, honestly. December 1853. Oh. <laughs> Mademoiselle Geraldine's finishing academy for young ladies of quality. <laughs> <laughs> At some point, Agatha had started thinking of Pilova as hers. So news of his engagement to Sophronia hurt. Though Sophronia called it a lark and Pilova described it as a clod rumpus. During the assignment where she had to imitate Dimity, Pilova's marked preference for Agatha in her tight gown and sparkles allowed Sophronia to throw him over. Thank goodness. <laughs> the assignment also allowed Agatha and Pilova time to talk and she learned a great deal about him and his new propensity with the help of Yev for blowing things up. <laughs> Something which allowed him to attain nefarious genius ranking at the school. She also learned he was a homebody and that her dreams of travel were very different to his own. New Year's Eve, 1853. Mademoiselle Geraldine's finishing academy for young ladies of quality. <laughs> the crashing of Mademoiselle Geraldine's finishing academy for young ladies of quality provided Pillover with a newfound respect for the capabilities of ladies. For Agatha, it signaled the end. The end of her education and the end of her hiding her patron and her skills as an intelligencer. Sophronia was more impressed than anything. Dimity was speechless, and Pillover was not surprised in the least. He always thought there was something special about her. He was right. He was right. He was right. Now, with the crashing of the school, the flywaymen and picklemen to deal with, Agatha must use her connection to Lord Akeldama to help her friends. The events of the astonishing night before were discussed, and people were duly congratulated for their part in Lord Akeldama's finely appointed drawing room the following day over some particularly fine tea and comestibles. While the ladies were finished... Pillover still had four more years of education at Bunsen's to contend with, which he and Viev suffered under until Pillover finally grew up at 16 and affected a gloomy air with a touch of insanity, courtesy of a small fire kit of Viev's invention. I really love that he just stares off into the, dis into the distance and, like, sets fires. <laughs> and everyone's like, geez, leave that guy alone. He's a mad evil genius. And his Perfect. clothes are like tattered and disheveled and his shirt's always untucked. <laughs> I love it. It's amazing. April 1858. Dimity was officially coming out this season and because Pillover is a decent brother, he travelled from Oxford to attend. It had nothing to do with Agatha, also making her debut in Pearl. While Dimity stood out amongst the crowds, shining and sparkling, Agatha disappeared amongst them. Literally. Literally. <laughs> Pillover was reliant on Dimity pointing her out beside a potted fern. They danced the third together, and Pillover was shocked when Agatha blatantly flirted with him. He didn't like it, because he knew it was manipulation, something he thought they were above. Since they were friends, if Agatha wanted anything from him, she needed only to ask. Apparently, this was news to Agatha. He was her friend's brother, and while Pillover wants to improve their acquaintance, Agatha suspects she won't be around much for that to happen. 
for as soon as she is able, Agatha will take the opportunity to travel. Later that night, in Lord Akeldama's drawing room, Agatha completes her mission set for the evening. She found and gave to him a small brass military-style button with an octopus design, indicating the appearance of a new secret society which is likely up to no good and of a scientific inclination. Agatha has a suggestion that would be a long game, which Lord Akeldama loves. (laughs) First... She would need to travel to France to seek out an individual with a particular set of scientific skills still at university and employ them to work toward accessing the society. Second would involve getting someone locally recruited into their ranks, despite their vocal aversion to them. For this, Agatha would need untranslated Latin scientific texts, preferably medical Lord Akeldama is known for his long-term machinations and is on board with Agatha's plan. This is going to take decades. Fine. I love it. I love it. It's perfect. I love it, darling. My little little snowdrop. Please go ahead. (laughs) Even later that night, after the ball ended and intrigues concluded, the plummy Tiermot siblings are sitting peacefully in their townhouse, a residence which Dimity shares with Agatha. Agatha joins them, sitting on the rug in front of the fire. She explains she needs texts translated from Latin, and yes, it is with the goal to be recruited into a secret society. Agatha, Pillover can't refuse. He only asks that Agatha write to him while she is abroad. 1859-1862 Pillover's reputation as a translator grew, as did his gloomy academic persona, (laughs) which became appealing to the young misses across the ballrooms of London. They just love him so much. He's so dour. He's so gloomy. He's so dreamy. It's amazing. So broody. Thankfully, his lack of fortune rallied the chaperones to keep marriage off the mind of any young chit silly enough to entertain it. Agatha, meanwhile, traveled with more frequency to greater distances, When Agatha came to town, Pilliver made sure to travel down from Oxford. During these visits, they developed a pattern. Pilliver would wait up for Agatha, and at some point he would look up from his book and find her sitting on the rug in front of the fire. If she was hurt, he would tend to her wounds. Oh, it's so freaking sweet. It's sweet. April 1863, Oxford. Pilliver received a missive in particularly flowery handwriting definitely her sister, asking him to look after her plants. Plants? Dimitri doesn't keep plants. The next day, Pilova caught a train to London, realising he knew which wallflower his sister needed him to take care of. In their townhouse, Pilova finds Agatha ill in bed. For three days he tends to her, barely leaving her side, before her fever breaks. After a few days, Agatha is well enough to leave her chamber. A few more later, Pullover returns to his studies at Oxford, and Agatha, left alone, misses his rumbling voice reading to her in Latin. Oh, that's a good friend. 1864, Oxford. Pullover transitioned from student to teacher without fanfare, cemented his reputation as an expert in Latin translations, and secured an invitation to join the Order of the Brass Octopus. 
His relationship with Agatha did not progress further than mild affection, though he was a martyr to love. Damnable secret society! <laughs> Until March of 1867, Agatha was perfectly content with their relationship. Pillover was dependable and steady, but then something changed. Whilst on what should have been a simple retrieval mission, Agatha saw her potential future. She had obtained damning paperwork about her former schoolmate Presha's father, and it was while she secretly delivered it to Presha's residence, Agatha saw what could become of her. Presha's house was cold and empty, impersonal and lonely. Without Demity and Pillover, hers would be the same. When her mission was done, Agatha returned home to the townhouse and found Pillover in residence. She confessed her fears, and he confessed his feelings. One thing led to another, and Pillover spent the night in Agatha's bed. Oh. oh. As the years went by, this arrangement seemed to suit when in London, Agatha would stay at the townhouse and Pillover would join her in her bed, tending to her wounds when needed. He knew very little of her missions, only what information Agatha wanted to share. At Oxford, Pillover made a friend, Sorensen, who shared his interests and they formed a book club, which extended to his geologist friend, Bulbit. He also continued his association with the Order of the Brass Octopus, though they didn't seem to be up to anything nefarious. Just lots of science. Science! Science! March, 1869. Lord Akeldama informed Agatha that her father had shuffled off his mortal coil, but left the particulars to her. Returning from abroad, Agatha dealt with her father's estate with ease and some expense, then found she had nothing to do. Dimity was on assignment, and Pillover had not expected her, so the townhouse was quiet. One evening, however, Pillover made his way to the London townhouse. He had just left his sister in the arms of a starry-eyed large man with a propensity for pirouettes and plans to be married. Ooh! Sir Crispin! Ooh. Yay! It's all come together. It does. It's wonderful. With Dimity's change of marital status on the horizon, the living arrangements will have to change too. Their townhouse does, after all, belong to Pillover, and a single woman living without a chaperone, where a single male also resides on occasion, is a scandal! Scandal, my yes. oh. 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 solution is for Agatha to marry him, which Agatha simply cannot do. No. If she became a wife... She would have to be a wife and would lose herself. Agatha feared that if she stopped being an intelligencer, she would simply fade away. Oh. Look, I think the chances of you fading away as an intelligencer are higher. Yeah. Because that's literally what you do best. Elova will not let her fade away. He's the one no. person who sees her. Yeah. And it's wonderful. June 1870. Dimity and Crispin's wedding. Yay! <laughs> of course, both Pillover and Agatha attended Dimity's wedding and danced together twice. They fell into their old friendly pattern. 
of barbs and humor, which did not speak well to any future dalliance. The next day, the townhouse went up for sale. <gasps> no. Sad. That's going to be some very cold beds. Oh. Winter, 1873, the Club, London. After a visit with Viev, who was returning to London and needing to purchase property, Pilova spent the night at the Hippocrats Club. With uncharacteristic curiosity, Pilova played the bumbling academic and went for a look around. What he found gave him an unpleasant feeling. There was gadgetry and surgical tools and beds set out in pairs. These were not typical medical facilities and therefore something Agatha needed to be informed of. Obtaining a postbox address from Dimity, Pilova sent a note and reminded Agatha of her promise to correspond with him while she was abroad. December 1880, Coots Crest, Nottingham. Being in the area and on a whim, Agatha visits Dimity in her home with Sir Crispin. She doesn't realize Pilover is also staying with the Bontwees and their brood and <laughs> finds him under the progeny. There's five boys and they're all just piled on top of Pilover. When he's able to surface, Pilover takes her down to the drawing room for mulled wine, where Agatha sits in her usual spot in front of the fire and rests against him. Pilover unpicks her tight coiffure, and Agatha feels her shoulders relax, and the tears flow as they share a kiss. Pilover asks Agatha back to his cottage in Oxford, located between the train station and the green. He considered her while he purchased it, of course. But Agatha won't go with him. I want to shake Agatha at this point and just say, I know. Just go. Just go. You don't have to stay. Go. Just go. Winter, 1885. It took a long time for Agatha to work up the courage to visit Pilova. After her latest mission, loneliness became too much. When she reached Pilova's cottage, she found light streaming through the windows and the noise of a gathering inside. Reluctantly, she knocks. Lover answers and refuses to let her leave, booting out his old friends instead. The building knew if sporadic routine where Agatha would make her post-mission report in London before travelling to his cottage. Pillover was even able to get Agatha to sit for a photograph which he promised he would never share. He had a tangible piece of her to look at when he didn't have the lady herself. This went on for ten years. Christmas, 1895. Coots Crest, Nottingham. It has been over a year since Pillover has received any correspondence from Agatha, who, at the time, was in India. She was a woman who kept her promises, and this concerned Pillover greatly. His solution was to speak to Dimity, who understood Pillover's concerns, took the particulars, and promised to activate the wicker chicken. <laughs> there was new stock in need of an assignment that Sophronia would activate, but they didn't know what Agatha looked like. Oh, no. So Pillover betrayed Agatha for the first time in his life and handed over his most prized possession, her photograph. It is at this point Dimity finally realizes the depths of the relationship between her brother and her friend. 
one that has been going on for 40 years. Man. Come Dimity. on, Dimity. Pay attention to someone other than your own sparkles. <laughs> and your pirouetting husband. I mean, to be fair, he is distracting. <laughs> he really is. He's wonderful. Spring 1896. Journey back to London on the spotted custard was delightfully uneventful. And they landed in Hyde Park on a rainy evening. There were many people there to check the various members of the crew, but no one Agatha. After the fuss of disembarkation died down, Agatha slipped off the dirigible, and to her surprise, Pillover was waiting for her. She realises that Pillover activated the wicked chicken to find her, but she's mad about this. Mother Agatha is flattered. As they stand in the rain, confessing their broken promises to each other, Pillover tells her he loves her. Back in Oxford, in bed together, Agatha tells Pillover she was thinking about staying around for a while. Maybe forever. <gasps> Pillover exacts a promise, and Agatha always keeps the promises. Pillover and Agatha grew old together. And, though not overly active players in the intelligence game, they dipped in when codes needed cracking or translations needed doing or there was information to be dealt with. Pillover, a creature of habit, even kept his Order of the Brass Octopus membership active as he promised he would. It was through this he found out there were plans to build explosives, hundreds of them, and seed the Etherosphere. It was Agatha who came up with the counterplan. On the eve of war, both in their 70s, they broke into a warehouse and diffused half of the explosives. Though the world burned, it was changed, but not destroyed, thanks to them. <laughs> it's so good. I'm gushing. I know. It's so. wonderful. It's a whole life story. It is. From 12 to 70s. It's amazing. It is. Right, let us go and get our tea and crumpets, and then we shall discuss. Okay. Hi, this is Leah Stuhler, creator and host of YA Book Chat Podcast. If you love reading young adult books and chatting about them with your friends, then head on over to my podcast and take a listen. Each episode, my guest and I chat about a different YA book. We start spoiler-free and then head into our spoiler section where we dive into the mysteries of each book. And we do it with laughs and fun along the way. You can listen to YA Book Chat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and wherever you get your podcast and now back to the show i cannot say what my favorite part was because the entire novella was delightful in every way she ever thought i agree there were some parts there were some parts that i picked out that i really really enjoyed but seriously the whole thing it was amazing i Everyone knows from listening to all of our Gail Carriger episodes that have occurred in the past that finishing school is my favorite. Yes. It's my favorite of all of them. And there was quite a bit of time in the beginning of the book that was spent during the finishing school times. And it just made me so happy because 
all of the adventures that Sophronia goes on in those books, Agatha was there in the background. And so it was interesting to see some, you know, very small bits of that stuff, but just realizing that Agatha was there the whole time. I need to go back through the Finishing School series and just relive, well, the entire thing, but also pick out those parts and just reconsider Agatha a little bit more. Yeah. Upsettingly, Um, we have never discussed the Finishing School series. This was BC. uh, Yeah, it was was in the before times. So uh, we've talked about it. I I think we should do it. I think we should do it, too. I really do. And that episode was like episode eight or something. It was at the very beginning where we didn't discuss hardly anything. But Gail Carriger was there. She was. She came on. And it she was, was there. the episode that brought me to Fictional Hangover. So it does have a special place yeah. in Fictional Hangover history. Yeah, it really does. But I think but, we need to cover them and have a discussion ourselves because it will be hilarious. It really will. And... You know, former co-host Amber, this isn't her style. She doesn't no. She doesn't love steampunk. So whereas I was obsessed with it and I love these books, you know, they it wasn't her thing. And so I think since we both love Gail Carriger so much, I think it'll be really fun if we go back and cover them in more depth. I mean, we did it. Yes. We did it with a selection. So I think that... And with uh, Don Kurgich with the Dead House. Mm-hmm. So I think we should do it with these, too. There's no reason um, not to. We love them. Yeah, it was lovely revisiting everybody from from the finishing school. It, it, it almost feels like, pardon the pun, fan service. <laughs> a little bit. Just like, give all of those the wicked chicken moments and yes. the sparkles and just how everything in there i mean it must like you say with when you said with the uh, the background information an incredible amount of work on gail carrigan's part to be able to produce it yeah yeah, yeah. there was also a i think it's in in the ebook version there's a, like an an edited bit from the end of finishing school where she mm-hmm. was like summing up everyone's lives and she there was a there was a paragraph about Agatha and Pillover like getting married, but that was that was taken out, and then this whole story was written. But yeah. you know she wrote that years and years ago. Yeah, and this one's this one's just recently released, and it's wonderful. It's nice that it's an unconventional love story as well, and it's not something that happened. As a love at first sight, or even a love at twentieth sight, it took a, like for, for Pillover it was Pillover knew. Mm-hmm. Pillover's a massive romantic though. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's a classicist. Come on. Um, but for Agatha, it was for all the fact that she is very observant. She completely missed this. She completely yeah. missed Pillover. Well, it's because she's always disappearing and she doesn't expect anyone to ever see her because that's her job. Her job is to, is to disappear. Her job is to be invisible. So mm-hmm. she just assumes that everyone believes she is. She's to not. Be... Exactly. And to give her a due, when we meet her at age 10 hiding behind the curtains and Lord Akeldama is like, 
how how did how how are you hiding so well? It's almost like she's got a supernatural ability to do so because he he couldn't find her. He was like he knows there's somebody hiding, mm-hmm. and that was really delightful that even he was tricked for a while by her, aged yeah. ten. So she's obviously developed started developing these skills from a very young age for what survival for not necessarily independence, but it wasn't a happy family life actually childhood. Mm-hmm. She like her father at all so for survival's sake she needed to develop these skills and she learnt to not want to be seen and if you do not want to be seen you automatically assume i'd imagine that other people that's what's happening people aren't noticing you yeah and then she just gets fancy dresses that help her blend into the wallpaper. I love that she's like, yeah, I've been in all these houses and I've been studying all of their wallpaper designs and I have dresses to match each one. Her wardrobe must be flipping huge. I know, I love it. And ugly. Oh, it's awful. <laughs> Victorian wallpaper is not the prettiest. No, it's terrible. It's really <laughs> terrible. I've got images of like really heavy floral designs on the top. And then she might just have like a bold colour underneath and they mismatch and they're just awful. But yeah. if she stands at Lord whatever his name's port parlour, then you cannot see she's her. She's gone. Nobody yeah. yeah, she's gone. <sighs> so, potted plant. Potted plant, table, wallpaper. Well, do you remember, dear listeners, way back when we had Gail Carragher on for an interview? Which one? Who knows? She's been on the show a hundred times. Which one? Probably the last one. And the one before. Well, to be fair. We mentioned about Agatha standing behind a potted plant and that was it was it was a latch we latched onto the concept and we okay. have never ever let go even if you find us on social media on the parasol protectorate website on the group pages on facebook we are constantly going yes agatha behind the potted plant and there was a, a section in it for me and you can't even if gail carragher herself tells me this is not true i will believe that we were the influence behind her and i'm going to read out the line to any outside observer, he appeared to be engaged in discourse with a nearby potted plant about the painting, because Agatha was doing that thing where she was there, but not there, which meant no one saw her. And it was, I literally cried out and went, she's hiding by the potted plant. Was that us? Did we influence it? And I posted this on social media and Gail Carragher replied with a love heart and starry eyed face. And I'm like, okay, that's not a no. Right. So Do you know I'm... what else? Yes, what? There's there's that scene. Mm-hmm. And also the fact that Agatha lost her eyebrows as she aged. And we had a very in-depth discussion about my personal lack of eyebrows yes. with Gail Carragher. And the fact that my parasol protectorate name is the painted eyebrow because I have to draw my eyebrows on. So while you felt the potted plant, I felt the lack of eyebrows. Yeah. I'm not saying we did, but I'm not not saying we did. 
this is this is I think the closest we've ever come if it's not true because it yeah it really feels like it is ring does doesn't it and I don't know if we're glorifying ourselves too much but honestly it was just I don't know I, I think also because Gail Carragher is an author and you know her series means so much to us as a podcast and you know it, it like we we blame her for the start of our friendship that we might be building that connection and I don't care if I'm just connecting it and it's not really there and it's all in my head but I want it to be there and if there's something that we've learned from when we read all these bodies the other week you know that's my truth yep yep it's my truth too it's it's alive in my heart yeah I'm sticking with it yeah I'm sticking with it it was just glorious yeah I really really love it can I mention something that is also my surprise now? Oh. Because I think it mm-hmm. warrants a little bit of yes um, talk. How the hell did Dimity not realise for over 40 years that her brother and her best friend were in a relationship of a sort? Well, because Agatha disappears and... Dimity is obsessed with sparkly things. She gets distracted. I was honestly, her oblivious nature was just like, come on. I can understand Sophronia not realizing because Sophronia's not there. So, she never sees the two of them together, really. Sophronia's she probably busy. Does. Yeah. She probably knows. Sophronia, yeah. Probably. But Dimity, I was just, I was so surprised. How could you not see? Come on, it's right in front of you. It's a lovely, sparkly relationship, but it's not got fireworks like, like you're expecting. And it was just, oh. finally, after forty years, you realise your brother is in love with your friend. <laughs> Dimity, they've been banging. Come on, love. For in the house you were living time. in, yeah, for a long time. But only every now and then. So, you know, maybe she remembers and then she forgot. She's like, oh, they're having a relationship. Oh, sparkles. Oh. And then Sir Crispin pirouettes by. And that's all you pay attention to. Yes. Oh, I love finding out how Pillova meets Sorensen and Felbert's friends, who we meet in Dimity's story as the academics to give some uh, the, the the vampire gathering some grand weight and flair and i was like yes mm-hmm. this is great and it's accidental friendship it's like just one day this person kind of seems to insert himself in his life and then brings a buddy <laughs> yep it was so great there were so many things going through the entire series that that we've already seen but now we're mm-hmm. just seeing the other side of it we're seeing the, the wallpaper's point of view. Peeking from behind the pot of plant. We've lost our eyebrows and we, we're looking through the yes. ferns. Yes. It was nice, though, that they were able to have... Though not together all the time, they were able to have the life that they wanted. Agatha wanted to travel. She wanted to see the world. And she got that. 
And mm-hmm. Pillow wanted to stay home and be an academic and moody and grumpy. Like, they got that. Yeah. But he, they didn't halt their lives for each other. Pillover, my concern was he was just going to stop and wait. And he didn't. He kept his promise about, you know, being part of the ugh, secret societies. Ugh. Yeah. But he still developed the friendships. He still made a career. You know, he still had a life. He adores his five nephews. And it's it was good that they maintained their affection for each other mm-hmm. but didn't stop for each other. Yeah. It was, <sighs> it was a very sweet story, which, I mean, we all know how I feel about sweet and romantic things but this one has so much history and so much so much of the backstory of everything that we've loved in all of these series so it was just it made my heart happy it did it made my heart happy too it was an unconventional love story and that was good yeah but you know all of all of Miss Gale's books, the love in her books is always very special in one way or another, or it's unique for the time, or it's not something that, you know, it, it's like a, a pearl clutch sort of relationship. But all of her stories are like that, and it's just, yeah, it's just so beautiful. It's definitely a hallmark of her writing. Yeah. <laughs> She, she she's really um she puts a lot of emphasis on friendship as well mm-hmm. and the found family aspect which everyone knows we adore that we do we really do. and even though this was a a quote-unquote romance between agatha and pillover it was also their story of their friendship because even when they weren't being romantically connected they were still friends mm-hmm and that was lovely. Yeah. Love to see them in their 70s, sneaking into a warehouse to defuse bombs. I know, it would be so great. <laughs> and then in the background, as they're sneaking back out, you just see explosions <laughs> over the London skyline. Yes, it's the it's this, the classic explode and walk away that we really like. But when they walk away, yes. they have like canes or walkers. <laughs> <laughs> a little pat on the shoulder. Come on, love, you're okay. Yeah, yeah. Have a cup of tea when we get home. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, can I tell you that there was one thing that I didn't care for? Yeah. The cover. The cover was beautiful. The color was beautiful, yes. and I loved, loved, loved how. Because Agatha is the wallflower, yes, and she has her wallpaper dresses, that it looked like the the character on the cover was emerging from the walls. But Agatha is always described as being pretty round and voluptuous with bosom. And the beautiful, adorable woman on the cover is a tiny little thing. And that's, I mean, 
Pillover loved Agatha's curves and, you know, her roundness. And she wasn't a fan of it. But he was, you know, when he was 14, he was obsessed with her giant bosoms. Oh, yes. You know? So, while the cover is gorgeous, and I love that she's blended in with the wallpaper, that's not Agatha to me. No, I agree. Um, Yeah, I agree. I feel like we needed um, a little bit more of a curvy representation on the cover of the book. Yeah, and it's it's disappointing, especially as a curvy girl, to not see that. Um, Ms. Gale probably doesn't have a lot of say of what happens on the covers. Right, I'm sure she doesn't so, at all. No, I'm not looking at her at all. I am looking at the publishing house and who do have a lot of say on what goes on the cover. And yeah, yeah it's the, probably the biggest shame out of it. Yeah, and it's that's that doesn't have anything to do with the story. It's not just, at all. It's just not the at cover. All. The covers. But a book does sell the book. Right. And it would have been nice to have that. It would have been. We've but both the cover had many was... conversations about people who've looked at covers and judged, judged the book by its cover and said, "I can see myself in that picture, and I'm more mm-hmm. attracted to that book because of it." Yeah. But. The cover was still lovely. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous. cover. I love the I shade. I love the colors. Yeah, yeah, I, I love also that it's it's reminiscent of the finishing school books and like these, this new series, which is you know, taking place in the times uh, of the finishing school girls and when they're grown up, you know, the covers kind of mirror each other and there's they're similar colors and it's beautiful. It's really beautiful, but it just, it made me sad. Yeah. I think as well, it's like, when I look at the the finishing school books, and I'm going to hold one up for visual purposes, that's obviously Sophronia, which is probably all for Sophronia. Yeah. (laughs) There is no way she is a teenage girl. No. Um, But, and then if we talk about you know, we've talked about the Vampire Academy books bearing no resemblance to the contents. It's, right. it's one of these things, unfortunately, where the cover doesn't necessarily affect the inside. And when it does, like the, all these bodies cover, wow, that's spectacular. Or yeah. the Harrow Lake, particularly for me, the UK cover is spectacular. Mm-hmm. Like, those really represent what's in there. But I think you raise an excellent point that it's a shame that Agatha's had a disservice that her actual photograph her representation wasn't the same. And I'm not saying do it when she's in her 70s and just, you know, save the world again. It could be youthful, Agatha, but she was perfect for her imperfections. Yes, and she hated all of that stuff about herself. She didn't like her freckles. She was, you know, she didn't like when she was a kid. She didn't like that she couldn't wear the types of dresses that her friends wore because you know her boobs would overflow the top and of course everyone else was like oh i wish i had your bosom and she's like ugh but 
still, it's just it's just a shame because that's so much about Agatha. And while everyone loves everything about Agatha, and you know she hates all of that stuff about herself, it's still like it's important. That's who she is. Ooh. Talking about her, Agatha as a character. This bit after Mademoiselle Jardine's finishing Academy of Ladies of Quality crashes and burns, mm-hmm. and she has to come out to. Sophronia and Timothy and pillow over and go, yeah, guys, I've kind of been spying on you for the last, you know, at least four years and reporting to Lord Akeldama because he's my patron. Uh, this is a little awkward, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's my truth. I felt so sorry for her because she put everything on the line, to be honest, to them at last because she could be. Mm-hmm. And I just, it was such a, it was it was a difficult scene. I mean, it wasn't a difficult read to, to read. It was fairly, you know, I don't say blase, but it was, it was not like heart-wrenching or anything. But I just felt so sorry for Agatha because if she loses Dimity and Sophronia and Pillova, she's going to feel like she's lost everything and she's got nothing. Mm-hmm. And it kind of doubled down when she got Precious' father's information packet and left it in Precious' house and saw what could have become of her. And if Dimity hadn't just been left speechless, which is probably the only time in her life that's ever happened, and Pillow was like, yeah, I knew this. You, I knew there was always going to be something special about you. And Sophronia's like, slow cap, well done, well done, yeah. bravo. Yeah. <laughs> If, she, if they hadn't reacted that way, she could have very easily at that point turned into pressure. Yeah, she could have. But because she's found her family, yeah, they're not going to treat her that way. No. Miss Gill wouldn't let that happen. No. No. Do you know who I missed from this story? Because everyone else was mentioned. Where was my soap? I just know, give me, just give me one, just give me one little soap, just one. She's do. I I swear, Miss Gale's doing it on purpose. She knows I, I how also, everyone knows. feels about soap. She knows that soap is everyone. Everyone adores soap. I was also hoping for a spoo moment at the end when she's coming off. Yeah, she's just like of... dangling by on a rope or something. That's all I need. Hey, hope you're going to disembark now, love. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. <laughs> I just really need a soap, a soap moment. I need a spoon moment. So, yeah, yeah, I'm totally with you there. I really loved that there was Tiny Viev and her mustache. <laughs> I love that Pillow helped her shop for property and was there when she found the hat shop. With the chamber, and he's like, you're just going to make a, a lab, aren't you, and get up to no good? And she's like, yeah, pretty much. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The hat shop is so central within the, the soulless parasol protectorate books. And mm-hmm. in the short stories as well, you know, for the, 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 the older series, it's just, yeah. Those little tidbits just thrown in. It's like, it's like I was saying, it's like a fan service book because it's just every series has its representation and you revisit. And apart from, you know, saying soap and spoon, 
we get a little taste of everybody and it's mm-hmm. glorious. Yeah. Oh, no. I'm just holding so, out hope for a soap book. There's got to yeah. be one. Yeah, I hope one day. That's all I want. Sophronia slash soap book must be so difficult to do. Yeah, especially because, I mean, the entire finishing school was really a Sophronia, Sophronia story. So it would be difficult to have a story with her later. And, I, you know, I think that her time really could be passed. And seeing the wicker chicken show up in the background, exploding yeah. things, that's fine. That's really all I need of Sophronia now because yeah. I got I got her story. But I just her want... reticence cameo is one of the best. Yes. Yes, I agree. But I just I just really need soap. Yeah. Yeah, soap needs more. Yeah. Need more soap. Hashtag we need more soap. Yeah. Which can be taken in any way you want. <laughs> yeah, take it however you choose. Do we need to say who our favorite character was? I mean... If it's not Pillover, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Is it really bad that when I finished this, I suddenly went, hang on, I've suddenly got a type. Nerdy, awkward academic who needs managing. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Miss Gale knows how to write a nerdy academic who needs managing. She really, really does. Yeah. She's got skills, this woman. She really does. Now, we've discussed my surprise already with Dimity being completely clueless. Yes. Yours. Oh, um, I was surprised that Agatha finally settled down. Oh. It took, it took her eyebrows fading away. <laughs> her eyebrows were her strength. Oh, right. Okay. Just like me. <laughs> If you don't have them on, you just mush in the corner. Yeah. If I take my eyebrows off and I stand next to a wall, you won't be able to see me. <laughs> the cosplay for this is just going to be a potted plant against a wall, isn't it? <laughs> There's no cosplay at all. Like, no um, one would know. No one would know because I'm so well hidden. It's just a potted plant on a table in front of wallpaper. <laughs> I need this picture in my life. <laughs> It'll be the best cosplay and no one will understand it. Well, a, a great big chunk of people will understand it, but the cosplay community probably won't. Huh? Huh? Is she the pot of plant? Is she walking Is she that? Oh my god, is she a table? Oh my god. Come on. Yeah. Speaking of table or wallpaper, shall we do Would You Rather? I think that we should. Would you rather? We asked on social media, would you rather be disguised as a table or blend into the wallpaper? Well, it was a resounding success for wallpaper. Facebook, 100% wallpaper. Instagram, 17% table, 83% wallpaper. Twitter, 7% table, wallpaper, 93%. And TikTok, they were 50-50. I was really surprised about TikTok. 
being 50-50. I really, really was. And there were a good number of votes, but it was just 50-50. Yeah. We had a good comment from TikTok as well. Uh And it was from Dakota, which I just, I can't wait for Dakota to join our family because I, she's going to at any moment. I know that she is. She has to. She has to. She has to. She really is. But (laughs) Dakota had a really great comment that she wants to be a table, but her table is a rage table. (gasps) And then she like, in, in parentheses, (laughs) bloodlines, would you rather? (laughs) Yes, yes, Dakota. We are rage tables together. I love, I love the callback. Dakota, I love it so much. She speaks to our hearts. She does. Well done. She that was does. amazing. Good job, Dakota. <laughs> well, what other Quill comments? Boy we on Instagram says, "Blend into the wallpaper. Imagine all the dress options." Yes, yes. L20Cav on Instagram says, It all depends on the length of time we have to do it for. I think with impersonating a dinner table, you'd get a better chance of surviving as you can pinch their food. If you start bursting for a wee-wee, I bet you could sneakily pee and fill up one of their drinks, too. Ew. Can I just say, bursting for a wee-wee is probably my favorite thing that we've said in this episode. But only when I say it, not how it's written. Bursting for a wee-wee. You got to get rid of that G. You got to southern it up to be a little fair, bit. But to be fair, the real way to say it should be busting for a wee-wee. I mean, so I'm we, fine with bursting. Yeah, it should be, ah, oh, busting You're going to burst. Yeah, but you're going to burst because you're so full of wee-wee. Well, that's what busting is. It's just, just what bursting is, too. Said it is, but just sled slightly differently. Take the G off completely. Yeah. And it turns an ooh to an ooh sound. Anything. Really, really, can I just say that wee wee? Yeah, just say really wee wee. Just wee wee. Wee wee wee. Brie Tart on Instagram says blend into wallpaper because it has much better opportunities to go with my ensemble while preserving my back. Excellent. <laughs> I like the practicalities of that one, Brie. Me too. Me too. So what are you doing? Are you wallpaper or are you table? Or are you just eschewing all of them and you're a potted plant? You see, I want to go down the potted plant route. I want to hide behind the potted plant because it feels right. Yeah. Um, you can be the table and we'll put the plant on top. Well, can I, can, can, can I give you my turmoil? My turmoil yes. with this question is, on the one half, I want to do a Dakota and a callback to the tables, and I was sexy mm-hmm. table on that one. Right, I really yes, want to definitely. do the sexy table. And it, the sexy table, it would have, like, a really nice cream tea on there, you know, with mm-hmm. the three-tier mm-hmm. uh, stand. Mm-hmm. And, oh, it would have a smoked sandwich on there and a nice little tart and scones and the mm-hmm. cream. Oh, ah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a good table. So that's what it would make the sexy table. However... Brie makes a fantastic point with backs. And we all know my back is yeah. bust. Yeah, we all know that Claire's back is bursting for a wee-wee. <laughs> so it feels like it should be pro- the proper thing to do would be blending into the wallpaper. But Victorian wallpaper is hideous. I am not a fan of wallpaper. I like a painted wall. 
and their wallpaper was gross. And imagine having that on a dress, which again is another callback to another would you rather when it was about having an ugly picture on a t-shirt. Yes, or your whole house being wallpapered with a terrible painting. Exactly. I don't, I'm in turmoil, Amanda. I know, I know. These, this would you rather is really tough on us because yeah. of how we feel about tables and wallpaper. Strong feelings. Yeah. So, I, don't, I'm, I'm, I can't go option C and say, screw it all, I'm going to be the, 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 the plant. Because there's no option C. No, there's no option C. So I'm going to go wallpaper to preserve my back. And then, as wallpaper, I can secretly snaffle the cream tea. And they won't mm-hmm. realise that it's me that's stolen the cucumber sandwich. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's me that's drank the cup of tea. Mm-hmm. And it's you that's done a wee-wee. And it's me that's done a wee-wee in the potted plant that I'm standing next to. Right. Yeah? So that's what I'm going to do. But in my heart, it's potted Right. That's understandable. See, I'm also torn because of our aforementioned table and wallpaper discussion. But, I mean, I really, really like ugly clothes. I really, really do. It's like the ultimate cosplay. You're cosplaying as all these people's parlors and drawing rooms. Yeah. So I think I have to go with wallpaper, but rage table. You're a rage table in your heart. I am. I am a rage table in my heart. I'm always a rage table in my heart. (laughs) But this idea, oh God, I need to, I wish I could, I wish I had the talent to draw this, but just basically it's all of, like it's us and, you know, our Gail Carragher listener fans all in these ugly wallpaper dresses and we're just all kind of like standing next to each other going, hang on, we're all hiding as wallpaper in this parlor. <laughs> you can see it. <laughs> yes. We're Annie all would be wallpaper. there. Bree mm-hmm. would be there. Of course we're there. All mm-hmm. just hiding with this ugly wallpaper and being like, you're, you're here giving each other the side eye and quizzical yeah. eyebrow. Yeah. Except one person doesn't have eyebrows. That's me. <laughs> okay look listen Bree we know you're listening we know you're listening and we know that you are a very talented artist and that you like to draw us doing cute things well this time include yourself and Annie and me without eyebrows in ugly dresses and please give Claire a potted plant <laughs> Oh. Challenge extended. If Bree does this, I'm sending her treasures. We already need to send treasures anyway. That's true. Everyone <laughs> needs all the treasures. They're going to come out for Christmas. Anywho. Assuming assuming mail <laughs> runs properly. That's the oh. plan. Ooh. Everyone gets Christmas presents. <laughs> Anywho, next question. Let's move next on before question. we start making other demands. <laughs> okay, so my question is actually one from the finishing school episode, but you weren't included on that one. No. And it also applies to this one. I mean, it really does. So I want to know, 
Would you rather go to Mademoiselle Geraldine's Finishing Academy for Young Ladies of Quality or Bunsen and Lacroix's Polytechnique? What is it? Is there any boy? Boys Polytechnique for Evil Poly- Geniuses. Boys Polytechnique. Would you, which one would you go to? Mademoiselle Geraldine's or Bunsen's? I would have to resoundedly go to Mademoiselle Geraldine's Finishing Academy for Ladies of Quality. I just... Oh. I, I want to be friends with these people. I do not want to be their enemies because they are so fantastic in every way, shape and form. Whereas Bunsen's is just cold and horrible and unless you are a pickleman, you're going to get the snot beaten out of you. And I, I'm not down for that at all. I want to be on that dirigible. I want to be learning all these kick-ass abilities and nuances i want to save the world and i want a cool intelligence in me yeah without not even a question easy where are you which dorm are you checking into look i want to be vf i want to wear a mustache (laughs) i want to make rocket skates I want to go to Benson's. And also, I was a Pickleman. I've been That's a Pickleman. True. That so, is true. I mean, as much as I love everything that happens at Mademoiselle Geraldine's Finishing Academy for Young Ladies of Quality, I just, I, I want to go to Benson's for the mustache. <laughs> the mustache and the top hat. That's why I'm there. <laughs> And setting things on fire. And setting things on fire. Because we all know how we feel about setting things on fire. Fires fires solve a lot of problems. Brilliant. That was a great question. Next one. Would you rather travel the world as an intelligencer or stay home and be a classics professor? Again, I don't think this is going to be difficult. I want to be a professor. Wearing a mustache and a top hat. I did not think you were going to go that way. Interesting. Just the mustache and top hat again. Mustache and top hat trumps everything. You can wear a mustache and top hat as an intelligencer traveling the world if you so desire. That's true. That is true. Imagine all the different wallpapers you can buy. I want to be a world-traveling intelligencer because imagine all the potted plants. Imagine all the potted plants that you can be. There's a variety of plants across the world that belong in pots, and you could be all of them. Yes. I wish I was better at languages and be able to speak languages. (laughs) Barely get English out. But that would be amazing. Just travel the world. It would be really great. And I, you know, honestly, I would really, really like to be an intelligencer and to travel the world, but... I don't know. Kind of like the idea of being a professor. Yeah. With a mustache and a top hat. <laughs> I feel like I need to spot a mustache and a top hat at work tomorrow now. Probably should. Yeah. I need to get yeah, a mustache probably. and a top hat. I mean, the mustache is easy, you know, I'm just all on, but I don't want to have a top hat. Mm. <laughs> need a top hat. I do. I do. Okay. Okay. Next question. 
Would you rather spend time on Mademoiselle Geraldine's? I'm not going to say the whole thing. Would you rather spend time on Mademoiselle Geraldine's dirigible or the spotted custard? Ooh. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. I'm going to say the spotted custard because the hijinks are grander and globular. Yeah. Plus, you're not under the authority of of the teachers, Mm -hmm. of the headmistress. You have a bit more freedom. Yeah. Um, Prudence is a good captain. She's a lenient captain when it comes to hijinks. Yes. I think she'd appreciate it. Plus, I would really like to mess around with Spoo. I think, you know get up to hijinks with Spoo would be amazing. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, and it I, plus the spot of custard doesn't crash. Right. I agree with you. I'm going to be on the spotted custard. Um, mostly for the chance to meet the merlion. <laughs> <laughs> Our merlion as well. Our terrible Bob, half fish, but but <laughs> half lion. And you're just pushing your fish out of the <laughs> One of the greatest creations this podcast has ever produced was that merlion. <laughs> so the only reason why I'm there is for the fish head being pushed into the ground. <laughs> That's it for me. I love that Merlin. Such good memories. Terrible drawing. (laughs) Brilliant. I have a printed out. Do I need I feel like I need to bring back the Merlion in stores? The Merlion is limited edition. Yes. The one that Constance colored. (laughs) Do you remember? Yes. I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back in stores. In in our Redbubble shop. The limited time only. Yes. Oh. (laughs) So good. Last question. Would you rather have a photograph of your love or letters from them while they are traveling i just like getting stuff in the mail so i'm yeah. gonna go with letters I'm i like go with letters yeah at least if you get the letters you know it's it's sporadic communication at least yeah you know they're still alive or someone has kidnapped them and assumed their identity well, that's why you need a code. You know, you right. Need... That's why yeah. codes are important. Yeah. It's like if I put on Twitter, I hate audiobooks, you know there's something wrong. Yeah. You're like, where's Claire? This is not Claire. Claire's been kidnapped. Exactly. Yeah. Or if you put on Twitter, my eyebrows have grown in lovely today, I'd be like, <gasps> Yeah, that's not Amanda. What's going on? There's it something is. terrible happening. I've had an emotion today. What's going on, Amanda? Are you all right? 
right. my daughter yes. check on you. Yes. Yes, you know. Exactly. I love brown pop. You're never going to hear that from me now, are you? Nope. Nope. Like, oh my gosh, Claire. It's happening. It's happening to you. Kidnapped by vampires. Oh, I wouldn't put brown pop there and I'd be like, yeah. I heart, I am brew. <laughs> Leave me, I'm fine. <laughs> wonderful <sighs> talking about all of our favorite vampires just then <sighs> all vampires all the time all vampires all the time why isn't that a shirt you ask because i haven't made it yet <laughs> <laughs> it sort of is we do have a fictional hangover all i need and another vampire book yes the only cure for a fictional hangover is another vampire book mm-hmm. But all vampires all the time would be really good, too. It would. It really would. Yeah. Might be a stock refresh for 2022. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the end of Would You Rather. I think it is. I think it is. So that means uh, it's time for our favorite final thought quote. Ooh. What you got? There were so many. There were so there many. There were so many. There were so many. Picked out three. Technically four, because I did read the potter plant one earlier, but haha, sneaky. Yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just going to go with three. Okay. Oh, Scottish accent. It didn't go around being nasty when some of us are armed with bobby pits. <laughs> I'll pick mm. that one out. It was good. Prenatal smuffles, I always thought there was something innately suspicious about them. <laughs> Ruffles, man. Can't trust a ruffle. Ruffles. Can't. Ruffles. And my last one is, love just was, and sometimes drifted about the world on a dirigible, and sometimes it waited patiently in the rain. Aww. Aww. It's very sweet. What do you have? I have four. Ooh. And one, I mean, I don't think it technically counts because it's just a chapter title. No one forgets their first vampire. Excellent. Excellent. It's just it's just fitting for us because all vampires all the time. Okay, so now my three other ones. Okay. Trying to hold on to an intelligencer was like grabbing for soap in a bathtub. Very slippery and always causing a great deal of emotional splashing about. They got everything wet and messy, but didn't ever really affect the soap. And one couldn't very well blame the soap, could one? After all, it's in its nature to slip away again and again. I like that one. Me too. Why is it that you are never surprised when I arrive? When I do that thing where I just appear out of the wallpaper, everyone else is always surprised to see me. Oh, I remember that bit in Pillover's, like, because I always expect you to be there i'm always looking for you yeah Mm. Yeah. now my last one is from viev (laughs) (laughs) you can take the genius out of the secret passageway but you can't take the secret passageway out of the genius (laughs) viev 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 i love viev did you read viev's short story no, I haven't yet. I haven't read a lot of those. I need to. I want you to. Do. You, I believe you do. I own it. 
You do. They are more adults than us. They're not YA at all. They do right. get a bit sexy at times. Yes, yes. Um, I do like the Biffy one. It's set at Christmas, but it's not very Christmassy. But my excuse is it's Christmas, so I'm gonna. That's gonna be a Christmas story. So yeah. it's kind of like a ten hashtag tenuous link for yeah. a December read or listen. But they are they are daddy. I mean, it's Gil Carragher, so exactly. It's perfect in every way. My the only thing is with them, I don't feel like, unlike ambushing a door and Dimitri's and pressures, there's as much callback and little nibbles and tibbets and, and like, fan service. Are. Yeah, there's less fan service in those ones than they than 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 the, the latest ones. They're excellent. They're all very good, and obviously it's in the universe, and you meet the mm-hmm. characters are still coming in. You know, Alexa does come into VF, so it's it's all there. Yeah. But it's I, I don't squeal over them quite as much as I do these ones. Yeah. They're still very good. I love them. All right. If you liked this, try this. Oh, I need a What are you suggesting? Uh, the Diadiers of Willowweep Manor by Shannon K. Garrity and Christopher Baldwin. And it is a graphic holding it up well nice it looks really cute it's very if you like bloodlust and bonnets you'll like this and we love that so the summary is from the book it is a dark and stormy night when Haley sees a young man drowning in the river. Since her great passion is gothic romance novels she seizes the moment and jumps in to rescue him just like a true heroine but when she gets him to safety she finds herself in Willowweep it certainly looks like the setting of one of her favourite books. A stately manor, a sinister housekeeper, three brooding brothers. There's even an invisible ghost. Except Will Weep is not what it seems. Its romantic exterior hides the workings of a pocketed universe, the only protection our world has against a great force of penultimate evil. <laughs> and its defences are crumbling. Could cruel fate make Haley the heroine that Willow Weep needs? And I'm just going to sh- hold this up a little bit closer for Amanda to see all the bunny rabbits that look like zombies. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It sounds um, great. A strange new universe threatened by an all-consuming evil. Nice. We'll have to cover that one one day. Yeah, for an hour 22, let's take a moment. Yeah. What have you got to recommend? I am recommending something that I haven't read. But that I found, I don't even remember when. It's called Miss Sharp's Monsters. It's a trilogy uh, made up of The Werewolf of Whitechapel, Anarchist on the Orient Express, and A Vampire in Bavaria by Susanna Rontree. Yes, so I got it from her Twitter. I got the description of the book Ah, from her Twitter. And it's just one little brief line, but I think it's wonderful. And I will read it to you now. (laughs) In an 1890s Europe ruled by werewolves, vampires, and sirens, Liz Sharp waits. In an, Liz Sharp wakes in an asylum with claw marks on her face and no memory of who she is. How far will she have to go to find answers? And will Europe still be standing when she's done? Hmm. Saw that, that on Twitter. Good. Was really into it. So yeah. I think it sounds like a lot of fun. That does. I like that. 
Do we have an appropriate indie spotlight this week? Um, we have a tenuously linked indie you spotlight. You know how we feel about tenuous links. Yes, this one is from Andy Lar. It's called Morning Star. When her beloved father disappears from their rural home, intrepid teen Kirsty Montanique embarks on an epic journey to find him and fulfill a promise. Deliver a satchel of secret family letters to a London clergyman. Her fraught journey through 15th century Great Britain is complicated by an abandoned infant, a dangerous love triangle, and the persistent temptation to read the ancient documents she bears. With shady Catholic church officials and corrupt members of the crown in hot pursuit, Kirsty draws on her wits and ancient feminine wisdom to guide her through her perilous mission. Ooh. Sounds, sounds like fun, rather right? rather dramatic. That sounds like an adventure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it does. All right. Is that it? Is that the end? Not until we cover the finishing school. <gasps> <laughs> so that's it for this episode of fictional hangover i'm amanda and i'm Claire. join us next time as we discuss sorcery of thorns by margaret rogerson look out for our would you rather polls on social media don't forget about our book club and monthly challenges on facebook be sure to visit our shop on redbubble at fictionalhangover.redbubble.com for all your favorite fictional hangover themed merchandise and become a patron of ours on patreon at patreon.com fictional hangover until next time remember the only cure for a fictional hangover is another book You can find us at fictionalhangover.com, follow us on Instagram at fictionalhangover, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash fictionalhangover, and on Twitter at fictionalhangover, no E-R. If you'd like this episode, check out our others, a rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss out. And finally, special thanks to Liz Emerson for our music. You can find her on Facebook and Patreon. Thanks for listening.